Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Felicia Munn. Felicia has worked with clients such as Airbnb, Netflix, Apple, and The New Yorker, to to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Felicia about uh, working for almost 10 years in the finance industry before pursuing her passion of photography. I also speak to her about some of her recent projects, uh, shoots, and like how she kind of made the transition from working in finance to uh, pursuing her passion of photography and uh, so much more. Um, she's accomplished so much in a short period of time being in the photo industry. So I was excited to talk to her. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. And thanks so much for listening. Well, now welcome on uh, Felicia uh, J.L. Munn. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this. Yes, thank you, Alex. This is great. I've listened to your podcast several times before, so I'm happy to be on here and appreciative that you even thought enough of me to ask me about what I do. So happy to be here. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. Like I've been following you on Instagram for, I think, a couple of years now, and I've definitely seen your your work and you've definitely been doing some really cool stuff. And it's kind of been cool to kind of watch your growth, even just in the last couple of years on Instagram. And uh, I know your your recent posts on Instagram, you you recently shot for people. You photographed a bunch of the cast of Wakanda forever. I was just kind of curious how that kind of shoot was and how it kind of came about for you. Yeah, that was that um that shoot was amazing. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I photographed three of the cast members for uh People magazine. It was Lupita, Denai, and um Letitia. So the three of them together, it was a very uh quick shoot. It was actually part of their press junket time frame. So people was allotted, I think like 30 to 35 minutes, and they had to split that between photo and video. Um, So I knew I wouldn't have a lot of time to photograph them, but wanted to make the best of it. I ended up having a little less than 15 minutes. Um, But I think we got some really good photos out of it. In terms of how it came about, uh, one of the photo editors, Gladys from People, reached out to me. um, And I said, of course, I would love to be a part of it and photograph them. Um, And I would say I found out maybe a week before uh maybe a week to a week and a half before so it was a pretty quick turnaround in in terms of finding out about it but you know still waiting to see if I would be confirmed um and then once I was confirmed pulling together the pieces of like the team what the creative would be uh where it was actually going to be it was in a hotel conference room and how we would like handle that situation knowing we wouldn't have a lot of time Um, but the response I got from those photos was like much more than I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah, I got a lot of, of, um, really great feedback and a lot of traction. I think that's like my highest performing post to date. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Congrats. Yeah. So that was a, a big surprise when I posted it in you know, the reaction started rolling in and I was checking the numbers. I was like, oh, this is actually performing very well. I was not expecting that. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. Do, do you kind of enjoy those shoots? Like the challenge of like, you only got like a limited amount of time. Do you kind of enjoy that challenge? Whereas like, obviously you'd prefer more time to do more setups and whatnot, but do you, do you enjoy those shoots where it's kind of like pretty quick? I would prefer to have more time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll say that. Like, it's always nice to have 
more time. Um, but in the industry that I'm in, I typically don't. It's very common that I only have less than an hour with someone. Um, like an hour is a lot of time for me, but it's very common for me to have like just a few a few moments. But ideally, I would like to have more time. If I don't, I still try to make the best of it and figure out what's feasible with the time that we have. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you, because this is a challenge, because I've done so many of these shoots too, where you you don't get a lot of time. And it, it feels, sometimes it can feel awkward because it's like, it's like you don't even like have much time to talk to them. And then mm -hmm. you're trying to make a really nice portrait, but it, it, it almost sometimes it feels like, all right, stand there, look mm -hmm. here. And there's, it's like almost like you're photographing a statue. Like, how do you approach it? Like, did you try to talk to the talent a little bit beforehand to like gauge their mood and stuff? Or like, how do you kind of na navigate this, the, the personal, like uh, the, the conversation and whatnot? Yeah, that is tricky. And it's something that, I don't know if I'm always doing it right, but I think I must be doing something right because I keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, you keep getting hired. I um, see you getting covers. You're out here. <laughs> um, but that is a little tricky. I think one thing I try to do is I don't I don't typically do like a lot of research on people beforehand because I don't know them. So I still try to make sure my interact interaction is authentic. Like me actually, like how would I talk to somebody that I'm I'm meeting for the first time? Like I still want that to feel genuine. Um, I typically do a little research, so I'm not completely blind. Like if it happens to be somebody's birthday that day, like I want to yeah. know that, yeah. um, you know, their recent projects, if there's any conflicts, like very high level stuff I try to um, update myself on, but I'm not like trying to find somebody's favorite color or where did it, it, come, it could come across as weird. <laughs> yeah, like I don't do that. Um, so I try to find whatever high level things I could find. If there's something recent that they've done, I may use that to start the conversation. Like, oh, I saw you just recently did this or, oh, like your, like, for example, Letitia's birthday was two days. We did the shoot and her, her birthday was October 31st. Mm -hmm. um, and we did the shoot two days before that. So like, I knew that. So I was able to tell her happy birthday. Um, things like that kind of help just make an introduction um, beyond saying hello, but it is something that I just have to figure it out as I go on the day of, because every personality is different. There are some people like I'll meet them and they're very standoffish in the beginning. So I may try to say hello and speak. They may say hello and then I can kind of see they're more reserved. So I'll give them some space for a second and then I'll try again. Mm -hmm. I'll come back <laughs> and try to make more conversation. Um, and so it really, it really just depends. And it is a balance of speaking to someone and like, Hey, I'm Felicia. I live in LA, but I'm from Atlanta or, you know, just having like general conversation or if they mention something, like how would I respond naturally if I'm talking to friends or if I'm talking to somebody I just met in the grocery store. So I still very much try to be myself. Um, and I think that helps with making people comfortable because I'm not you know, if, if something isn't working, like, I'm like, this isn't working. We're going to yeah. do something else. Like, I'll just I feel, <laughs> I feel I feel like for me, like, I feel like that's like the biggest skills of photographers, like being a good communicator and like being able to approach people you never met. Like, have you always been kind of comfortable just kind of dealing with strangers and kind of working with them and being able to communicate? Or is it kind of something you feel like you get better, better at year, year, year in and year out uh, doing this, I guess? You know, I don't know. I mean, I consider myself an introvert. But one thing I learned about introverts, I like read it somewhere, is that some introverts can like fake it when they're out in public. Yeah. And I definitely think I'm one of those people who can like 
fake it. Like yeah. I'm a people person, but really I'm actually very introverted. Um, and so I think it's just a personality trait of, you know, when I get out in public, I like interact and I talk with people and, you know, I always want to have a good time and people to be themselves. Um, and I also think because this isn't my first like career choice, I came from, I have a degree in accounting. I worked in finance for almost eight years. And so when I entered this world of photography and like art, and a lot of this was new to me and like foreign to me, I still very much see myself like toggling between like, I'm an outsider looking in like yeah i don't know what this stuff is now, you're, you're inside now once you, once you start getting people magazine covers and masterclass ads, you're you're on the inside now <laughs> yeah yeah so i think like that part of me kind of makes it um possible for me to just talk to people like people because there's some technical parts of what i do that i still don't understand sometimes i'm like yeah i don't really know why we do this but we're gonna do it this way and <laughs> i think just being that open with people kind of helps them relate to me and no no that's good no no it makes it, <laughs> make, it makes it i'm kind of similar i mean it's funny i have a podcast but i'm definitely kind of introvert too and i almost like have to like hype myself up a little bit for like big shoots and stuff because uh -huh. it's like you you you, you can kind of anticipate it so you know the energy you need to bring to it and it's like uh yeah it's a lot of energy for sure like managing these shoots sometimes uh another thing i saw you had like a, i think last month you had like a gallery show i saw you you posted on oh the, yeah what was that all about yeah that was part of um so there's an organization called black women photographers and it's basically like a collective that brings together a lot of Black women photographers and provides resources and information about photography and then also um, trying to connect potential hires with photographers or yeah with photographers yep. in different spaces and categories so within LA um, two members decided they wanted to put together an exhibition um, with different members in LA and so they curated the show um based on the images that photographers submitted. So there are 21 photographers that are actually in the exhibition. So I'm one of those 21. And uh, the show, as of today, I don't know when you're going to put out this uh, podcast, but the show is still up until December 3rd. Okay. <laughs> so if anybody wants to go, they can. It's at the Perfect Exposure Gallery. Um, but that is my, this was my first time being part of an exhibition um, and it's been a really great experience to like showcase work in that way. And I actually showcased some personal images that I haven't put out before. Mm. Um, and they were images I shot back in 2020. So I'm still trying to basically close out that project and share it with the world in a way that makes sense. Um, but it was it was really nice. I had my mom come out. Uh, my mother-in-law came. My husband was there. So it was a good way for people to like interact with me in a a different environment than just being on set. No, nah, it looked amazing. And is that something you think you'd like to do more of kind of like exhibiting your work and kind of fine art, fine art kind of stuff in the future? Yeah. I mean, I do, I do think I want to do more exhibits saying fine art is weird to me. Cause I, you know, as I mentioned, um, I do still feel like I'm learning about this world of photography and I feel like an outsider sometimes. So when I think of fine art, like that to me feels like super intellectual when it comes to photography. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm like, <laughs> that deep of a photographer nah, you're, <laughs> you're doing great work I have you're work exhibited <laughs> yeah. um but I definitely would like to be a part of more exhibitions whether it's solo or group exhibitions like just the energy 
that was there was like really nice. Like it was so fun. And it was just nice to be in a space of people who have like the same love and appreciation for photography and just talk photo stuff and be social. Yeah, de- yeah definitely. <laughs> Cause like, as you know, like being a photographer is kind of a very like a uh, solo job sometimes. So getting yeah. to kind of interact with other people and like, even a group show, it's kind of, it can be at least, at least for me, I love going to shows. It's inspiring to see what people are doing and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but I guess to go back, uh, where, where'd you grow up? I grew up, uh, in Atlanta, uh, a suburb of Atlanta called Jonesboro. So, um, that's where I grew up and I'm very much still a Georgia girl and a Southern girl at heart. <laughs> and when did you kind of, cause you mentioned you had a previous career in finance, but like, when mm-hmm. did you kind of first discover photography Were you kind of interested in creativity early on, or is it something that kind of came to you later? Yeah, so I've always been an artsy person. When I was younger, I used to paint and draw all the time. I wanted to be in art clubs or I was in art clubs and um, that was my thing. And then as I got older, uh, more responsible people would start to say, well, what are you going to do for a living? You can't just paint and draw. And I didn't really know. So um, that kind of started the path of me figuring out like what I was going to study in college. Um. And literally the way that I decided to study accounting is because I went to talk to my high school counselor, one of my high school counselors, and they're like, well, what are you going to major in? And I was like, well, I don't really know. Like, is there a list? Like, can you show me what the options are? Like, I had no clue. Like, my parents went to the military right after high school. Um, So the experience of college in general was, like, very new Mm -hmm. to me. Um, So when they asked me, well, what do you like to do as a base to figure out what my major would be? I said, well, I like money and I like math, like math (laughs) is my favorite subject. And so the counselor was like, okay, well, you should major in accounting. I was like, okay, what's that? And so I took like an elective in high school. I got an A in the class. I was like, all right, I guess I'm good at it. So I'll be an accountant. Like it was, it was no real thought for real. Um, in that decision to be an accounting major and it was not a good decision it's that's i always say that like it's it's like the hardest thing you're like 18 years old and it's like all right you gotta you gotta pick right now like what do you want to do and like once you like click in you're kind of stuck there for like four years or whatever major you pick so it's like the toughest decision i don't know they should figure out a different way to do college where you can really just kind of discover exactly what you want to do you know yeah yeah and i so i went to school for accounting um And I was, I hated it the whole time. Like it was not fun, but it got to the point where it was like, well, I can either graduate on time with an accounting degree, or I can change my major to something that I don't really know what I want to change it to and then be here longer and college is not free. So it's like, well, we're just going to finish this out and figure it out later. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, I have a degree in accounting and then I went to uh, start working in finance because that was like the next best thing I can do with my college experience without being an accountant. What, what, like, what okay, kind of job? What kind of jobs were you doing working in finance? Um, so I was a financial analyst um, for the most part, then senior analyst and finance manager. Um, for my first job was a healthcare company called Baxter. They make um, pharmaceuticals and healthcare products. Uh, so Baxter, that was in Chicago. And then I got more into like media. My next job was at Time Inc. Um, they aren't really around anymore. But yeah. at the time, uh, I was in New York. I moved to New York. I worked there on different magazines, part of like 
ad sales revenue and like tracking revenue for different parts of the business. And then after that, I moved to Atlanta back home and um, worked at CNN for a few years. Wow. So you got a lot of experience, a lot of interesting jobs. Like, yeah. And like in the back of your mind, like you're working these jobs, like where was the dream to be a photographer? Or was that even, was that kind of something in the back of your mind? Or like, how did you get to the point where you leave finance? Cause that's like, I think that's the biggest hurdle for anybody, especially the older you get, it's hard to like, once you have a stable career to make that jump into like doing something you love. Cause as you know, like photography, it's not something like you just turn on a switch and the jobs start coming. It's a slow grind. But like, how, right. how did that kind of process work for you? Yeah, very true. So for me, no, I did not know I wanted to be a photographer. So I knew I was always creative and like looking back at the different jobs that I've had to where I am now, it's very easy for me to connect the dots and see how I always gravitated to more um, creative jobs. And even in college, so to go back a little bit more when I was like an artsy kid, when I started to make that transition from like actively painting and drawing, I started taking pictures with like disposable cameras. Like to me, that was like the easy switch. Like I still needed to express myself visually some way. And it's like, somehow I got attached to a disposable camera. I was like, oh, this is a way I can do it. And it's much quicker. And I don't have to like sit in a class. I just carry this around. Um, and then when I graduated from high school, my dad got me my first point and shoot camera. And so I took that to college, took pictures all the time in college. Um, I photographed Barack Obama's first inauguration. Wow. Because I went to school in D.C. And I lost that camera and all the pictures. So hey. I say this anytime. How do you, you lose it? Where do you think it went? Like I know where it went. <laughs> I, um, I was on spring break in Miami my senior year of college. Um, and so part of that time of enjoying myself as a young adult I lost the camera <laughs> hey, hey, it happens you know yeah so it happens but I wasn't very good at keeping up with like digital files like that whole world of digital filing and organization was still I think new to most people so my way of keeping up with my images was just keeping them on the SD cards and keeping all the SD cards <laughs> in my camera bag yeah. and never dawned on me if I lost the whole thing I would lose everything yeah. So I lost everything. So any pictures that I took in college are pretty much gone until someday. I, I'm still hopeful it's going to find its way back to me years yeah. later. You know, it's a it's a learning lesson to any photographer. I made the same mistake. I had like one I had one hard drive in college, but I only put it backed it up on one. And I'm so pissed because now it just doesn't it doesn't like load or whatever. I'm, I'm going to try to get bring it to one of those data places, but I have all these yeah. photos and memories. I'm like, what the heck, man? Now I'm yeah. like backup, 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 you know? Yeah. 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 Um, And then after that, when I graduated college, I got my first DSLR um, used like money. People gave me as a graduation gift, went to a camera store and basically was like, this is how much money I have what camera can I get? And I still laugh about that moment because I ended up getting a Nikon D90. Mm -hmm. And then the guy like explained it and I was like, okay, sounds good. I can afford it. And then he was like, do you need a lens? And I was so confused. I was like, what do you mean? It doesn't, doesn't come it come with, with the lens? The lens? Yeah. And he was like, uh, don't worry about it. I'll give you the kit lens. And I was like, okay. Thank <laughs> <Nice>. you. <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, yeah. And then in Chicago, I was working, 
but my mindset was very much like I have my day job my nine to five and then I have a hobby like that was just how I thought I was gonna live my life forever mm-hmm. and photography was my hobby and I started taking photography classes like that was the thing I did after work pretty close to every day um and then it got to the point I would do assignments from those classes on my lunch break at work like sometimes I would go sit in my car and edit photos um so it's very it's very easy for me now to see how like I was very serious and passionate about it but I just hadn't realized that you can actually do it for a living it was still like this is what I do for fun Hmm. and then like how did you kind of make the transition to making it a career like how do you because making that jump like where it's (laughs) like you're doing it for fun you're taking the classes you're learning uh, like, did you ever assist any other photographers? Like a lot of people go down that route or how do you kind of make it your career? Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, I worked in finance. One day I decided I didn't want to work in finance anymore. And my husband also decided he wanted to uh, venture out on his own with his own businesses. So we both quit our jobs and we moved to Paris and we lived there for a year. Wow. You, um, that is awesome. You guys <laughs> just going for it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we we're pretty unconventional. Um, So we moved to Paris. And while I was there, that's when I had the freedom to like shoot as much as I want and be as creative as I want. And I needed to find a way to fill my time because I really didn't have any obligations every day. It was like I would wake up and I would just gravitate to taking photos or making YouTube videos or some sort of making content. And in that freedom, I started to see that people were actually making a living as a photographer, other than being like a wedding photographer or um, school photographer, like school portrait photographer. Um, And so that's when it kind of clicked that, okay, maybe I should try this when our visa and France expires and we have to move back like maybe I'll try being a photographer full-time not really even knowing how to do that it was just like I think my photos are decent so let me just try it Um, and so when I when we came back to America we moved to LA because the weather's nice and smart let's try it out (laughs) Um, and in the beginning I had no clue so this was the end of 2018 so I really started hitting the ground running as a full-time photographer like start of 2019 um and I had no clue I would go to conferences and try to be in places where I thought people were who needed a photographer would be so I would go to like a makeup conference or I would go to some type of business conference that had products or things that they may need to be photographed for promotion of their business and try to just network with people and none of that worked at all um yeah that just wasn't working so then I started to say well how about I reach out to people who are doing what I want to do and just ask them I mean I wanted advice but I also was very mindful that they're probably busy and they probably have people who reach out to them all the time so I was offering to pay for their time with lighting expertise I'm like I know like if you give if you have lighting sessions or if you have classes like I'm willing to like pay you for like an hour of your time to just learn some things um like I wanted whoever I reached out to to know like I was serious like I'm not trying to just waste anybody's time here and you and your in your experience mm-hmm. not to cut you off but like any reaching out of these people because in my experience I did the same thing starting out you just email mm-hmm. whoever you can and I found mm-hmm. at least for myself 
a lot of people are not everyone but a lot of people are happy to talk to you and like yeah. one, i had coffee with so many photographers like how is how is your experience because i think like maybe people listening like that can be kind of daunting this reaching out to someone you know asking them for advice like how how did that kind of work out for you yeah and so the, the the weird thing is like when i was reaching out i was not familiar with the world of being an assistant. I didn't know what a Digitech was. I didn't really know what assistants did. I didn't know lighting directors. I didn't know anything. So when I was reaching out, I I didn't even know that you could reach out and ask to like shadow someone to be on a shoot or um, really what advice to ask, really. The only thing I thought of was like, I need to know how to light things. Like I don't know how to light everything. So if somebody can spend time with me on how to light something, then that could be like what takes me to the next level and so a lot of the responses I got were kind of like no (laughs) comes with the territory yeah yeah but there was one photographer Eric Humphrey who responded and he was like um he was like no I don't do lighting sessions but you can come learn on a set and I was like floored because I was like are you serious I was like okay (laughs) when like tell me what day I'll be there Um, and that is when I think there was a huge shift in how I was operating as a photographer or aspiring photographer when I started to assist him on sets and like seeing how the different players on a set operate and communicate from like a photographer to photos, assist photo assistants, whether it's a first assistant, second assistant, third assistant to a a PA, to a digitech, to the actual client, to how files are managed and delivered, um how you equipment like I didn't know what an apple box was yeah like I say this all the time like mine not like I could take pictures and I can operate a camera but there was a lot of things that I just didn't I didn't have any knowledge of because I hadn't been in this space before um and so that was like perfect for me to kind of be a fly on the wall and just learn as much as possible every aspect of the business that I could um and so I'm still super grateful for Eric and any other photographer who has taken time to like sit with me and show me something um, because it goes a long way. (laughs) Uh, And so that is kind of when I made the shift to learning what it even meant to be a professional, like commercial advertising editorial photographer. Because like at this point, were there like photographers work that you're kind of looking at admired or like were, were you kind of looking at all types of work or like where's your kind of mindset in, in terms of the work you wanted to make like early on getting into this? I would say at the time I wasn't because I was still I was still learning about photography in general from like. Like just every point of the spectrum you can think of so at that time if you had asked me who my favorite photographers were it would be very different like my answer would be very different right now because I just didn't know very much about it I didn't know hardly any photographers it was just like everything it was a new world for me I was like people like the the billboards that I'm looking at like someone a person shot that and that person is right over there like I was still (laughs) putting the pieces together Um, And so really my love and desire for photography came from just me being a very visual artistic person. It was like that transition of, oh, I used to paint and draw, but now I'm going to create the visual imagery I want to create with a camera. Um, And so I would have ideas related to just 
artistic things that I wanted to try, but with the person. And when I started, I was terrified of taking pictures of people. Like when I first got my DSLR, I never wanted to photograph people. Like I always would want to photograph landscapes, architecture, something that was not a person. Um, because I just was not in a place to receive like negative feedback. Like I would be terrified that someone would hate the picture. Um, and that fear probably came from, so when I started, let me backtrack one more time. Yeah. When I started, when I got my first DSLR and I started taking photography classes before the first class, uh, they sent out a message. They used to send messages of people looking for photographers. They were on like tight budgets and they're like anybody who can either shoot something for free or $400. Mm-hmm. And so somebody sent out a message looking for a wedding photographer. I had never operated this camera before, but in my mind, I'm like, I know how to take pictures. I turn it on. <laughs> be fine. And so I get there like I the night before I like research, like how to take wedding photos, like what are key shots you should get. Um, but I didn't really fully understand how to use the camera. So I get there and all the pictures I'm taking, they're black, like every picture. And there was supposed to be a second shooter that was the primary photographer and they just wanted me to get additional photos, but that photographer was late. And so I was the only photographer there and people were looking to me, looking at me to take all the photos. Like I'm in there with the bride, she's getting dressed, I'm taking photos and nothing is coming out. And I'm just like, you're doing great you look good. Like I didn't want to like freak her out. I didn't want to tell her I couldn't call to school because they weren't open yet. Cause it was like seven in the morning or something. Like, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm taking all these pictures. And they're like, when she starts to walk down the aisle, can you get photos like this? I'm like, sure, we can do that. Um, <laughs> and then finally the photographer shows up right before she's about to go down the aisle. And I was like, here, can you just take my camera and just set it to whatever settings it needs to be so I can get a picture because right now everything's black so he sets it and I kind of follow his lead and after that I was pretty much terrified of photographing people and I stopped photographing people aside from like family and friends for a wow. long time <laughs> yeah it's kind of one of those things like you just kind of got to go for it sometimes so I would imagine um, at least for myself like I'm sure there's jobs you're doing now because you're doing bigger and bigger jobs and yeah everything's new and it's still there's always like it, with the photography you're continually learning and it's like you're never going to be 100 ready for everything you kind of no. just got you just got to go for it because like i had that feeling one time someone hit me up to do like some video job and like i hadn't done a ton but like i knew enough and i was like i did the research and like you know it wasn't my best piece of work but i got it done and it's like it's those opportunities and you just kind of kind of i feel like you just got to put yourself out there and you kind of slowly build right yeah yeah and i still do that um anytime like just thinking of how i've progressed I've had a lot of growth spurts sometimes multiple growth spurts at once like I think I figured something out and then there's something else that I need to adjust and change um and so really how I approach that is I usually like once I hit a point where I need something that's when I get it so there was a point when I didn't have insurance and then I did a shoot and I needed insurance so I got insurance that day yeah. um you know like any any point where I saw that there was a need or like lighting equipment, there was a point when I didn't have my own lighting equipment and then there was a shoot or probably after so many shoots of going to rent one light every now and then, I was like, okay, I probably should have at least one light of my own, one um, light modifier of my own, one C-stand, one sandbag, like one thing that if I have a last minute shoot, I have a light that I could use. Um 
Yeah. And that's pretty much how I approach. I've approached my growth spurts is once I hit that point and I, and I see it, I make the, the adjustment. Like sometimes financially it may feel like um, a huge leap, but I also understand that if it's the right thing to do, then I need to do it and it'll pay for itself over time or it'll pay for itself for what it with, with whatever shoot that I'm working on at that yeah. moment. Yeah. It's the stuff that makes your job easier. And it's yeah. like, you, you realize I did the same shit. Like I, there was years where I would just, I kept renting the Canon 70 to 200 millimeter <laughs> lens. I, I was like first in, I was like just photo assisting, wasn't making any money and like buying a $2,000 lens. I just never had $2,000 and I kept like having to go give them like 150 bucks every weekend to go rent this lens or whatever. And I finally got to the point I was like, no, I'm just buying this thing because not only do I just need it, but I'm just wasting so much time just driving back and forth, dropping off, picking yeah. up. And yeah. it's, it's just, yeah, it's gross sports. Like you said, it's just uh, slow, gradually you get bigger. Um, and what were kind of like some of the first uh, clients you started working with once you started getting like assignments for like magazines and companies, I guess. Yeah. The first, the first few. Um, so I really, I didn't get my first assignment until 2020, um, like mid 2020. I had been shooting on my own since 2019 showing work. Um, and I would say the first few, I keep trying to tell myself to look and see who was actually the first one. I don't know for sure, but they were around the same time. Um, but it was Teen Vogue, Vanity Fair, and Hollywood Reporter. Wow. Um, those were like my first few assignments. Um, all very special and, you know, I was going to say joyous, but the, the Teen Vogue one was... It was mixed emotions. So Teen Vogue, I photographed. Um, it was a pride um, march for Black Lives Matter. And so that one was mixed emotions because I was happy that I was like getting published. Like finally I have a client, I'm getting published. But then also the subject matter was a little emotional. Yeah. And it was like, I don't, I didn't. I I didn't necessarily want that to be the feeling of one of my first publications to be something um that felt sad or traumatic so that was mixed emotions still happy for the opportunity and um you know I did it so hooray and then um the other two Vanity Fair was very special for me that was it turned out to be a spread in the magazine that was huge it was a no name for Vanity Fair and it was in their September issue that had Brianna Taylor on the cover. Um so that one to me was special because it was the first one that I was um booked based on like my own creative expertise and not necessarily like on assignment shooting somewhere. It was like putting together a mood board, doing location scouting, thinking through wardrobe options. Um And so that one meant a lot to me because I didn't have a lot to show for it at that moment other than my own personal work. And so the fact that they were able to see in my personal work that I could execute to their standard, um, I don't take that lightly either because I definitely didn't think I would shoot for Vanity Fair at that moment. (laughs) Yeah, because like what did what did your first portfolio look like? Because I think that's like the hardest thing is like getting that first assignment. Like what did your book look like? Because like before you said you 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 didn't really like shooting people before. But like what did that kind of first portfolio when you first started getting assignments look like? Yeah. So one thing I learned when I did start reaching out to other photographers and like when I was meeting with Eric is 
my portfolio was all over the place. Like the pictures I had, the website I had was like very basic, but I had wedding photos, travel photos, pictures of family. Like it was not um, a cohesive message at all. And one thing I learned is I needed to narrow down the type of work that I wanted to showcase because ultimately I would get hired for the work that people saw that I would put out. And so I spent a lot of 2019 just shooting for myself with the intention of crafting a very intentional portfolio. And so that meant me doing test shoots, getting models, finding a makeup artist, finding a stylist or styling them myself um, and just going out around LA or wherever I may be and just trying to get some shots that were in line with the type of work that I wanted to shoot. So I'm very artsy still. I still like to create imagery that's um has like this artsy painterly component. Um but shooting people and has like a authentic feel and a a hint of beauty. And so that is just basically what I was doing for a good solid year. And so once the pandemic hit, um and there was this desire to find new talent, particularly new black talent and new diverse talent, I had work to showcase that was very consistent with like the style of photography I wanted to shoot and I was capable of shooting. And so when those opportunities came up, like that's what I was showing. Like, this is what I can shoot at. No one's hired me to do it yet, um, but I'm doing it on my own and I think I can do it for other people. <laughs> yeah, and like, how are you kind of like getting your name out there and like kind of marketing your work? Was it just like kind of emailing editors your work, or how did you kind of go about it? Because I think that's a tr a tricky thing for people starting out. Yeah, so I do a lot of emailing. I email. I try to send emails somewhere between once a month to once every two months, um, to people that I've worked with before, or people that I would like to work with, or people I've made connection with, or had like portfolio reviews with, and just show them what I've been up to. Like if I have new work that has come out, um, new projects that I'm working on, or like when the exhibit came out, inviting people to the exhibit and just trying to have like some touch point where I'm always staying in touch. And then if there's a moment where I feel like, oh, we haven't met in a while, like maybe we can catch up sometime soon. Um, that's one way. And I think that's been very beneficial for me because it's a very direct point of communication as opposed to social media. Social media is very widespread. You can post something, but you're not really sure who it's going to reach. You're not really interacting with people directly. Even if they comment, that interaction may be short-lived. Um, so I definitely still use Instagram and post because it's important. Um, but in terms of like where I find the most traction is me reaching out to people directly. Yeah, I think I maybe I'm. Uh, were you at the SPD review last month? The uh, online. Portfolio? I was. I was there. Yeah, yeah. I thought I saw you seeing you in there. I've done that for a few years, and I found those like I don't know. Have you done any, a lot of those like kind of portfolio review things before? Um, I have. So SPD, like in terms of like formal reviews, where it's like an organization that brings people together. I've yeah. done SPD. I've done Diversify Photo has had some portfolio reviews. I've done that. Um. Have you found them beneficial? Have you enjoyed them? I do. Or? I mean, anytime I can showcase my work, I think they're, it's very helpful. SPD in particular, I like because you can choose who you, or you can at least try to choose who you're going to meet with. So I always look at the list and if there's someone that I would like to connect with that I didn't know of them before, or I've had a hard time connecting with them on my own, then 
I make a point to do that one in particular. SPD isn't a free one. I, I prefer the free ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always prefer the ones I don't have to spend money, but I do think SPD does a good job um, to to uh, justify yeah. you having to pay money. <laughs> yeah, I will say they are the most affordable out of any of the other portfolio ones I've done. And they, I, I agree. They, they do a really great job. The people that run it, uh, Keisha and uh, Chelsea, they do a great job organizing it every year. And I always look forward to it. And I, I've gotten to work from those things. And uh, yeah, it is an investment. But uh, like you said, anytime you can kind of get in front of people, I think it's a, a good thing. Because I feel like I learn a lot just like hearing like what editors want like what magazines are looking for like i've even this year i found some magazines like hey if you have work that you want to pitch like some magazines are open to that and it's hard it's hard to know unless you talk to those people i think that's the hardest thing you know yeah yeah and then uh one one thing being a photographer like trying to find your voice and like creative style it's a real hard thing like did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your groove and like how you want to approach your like uh, creative aesthetic or is it something you're still kind of building on or like how do you kind of view your this kind of your approach to your work I guess yeah I definitely think I'm still building my creative aesthetic I have people who come to me and they can see consistencies within the work that I, what I that I create I think I'm probably harder on myself though and I look at photos and I'm like mm, not really sure why I did that but people seem to like it um but there are some like components that I try to make sure I always have in my photos. Like I like for people to look natural. I like, like I would say the overall goal when I shoot a photo is like when you look at it, you see a person and not a picture. Um, and that, that, that person draws you into the image. And so I definitely feel like I'm very much still a portrait photographer because I like to connect with people and like photograph them as authentically as I can. Um, there are other components that I like to include in my image. Like I like color. I absolutely love color. I feel like there's a gazillion colors in the world, so we might as well use all of them. <laughs> um, and so I usually try to stay away from like gray and white. Those are the two I, that I wouldn't say are my top favorites when I'm thinking of how I'm going to shoot something. I'm always looking for really bright colors. Um, and then... Yeah, I, w I mean, you know, I don't have a way to like fully explain it. I like for it to have like some texture to it. I like for it to have like some variety, but also be minimal. Like I don't like a lot of things that are distracting um, in an image to the point where you don't see the person. Like I want it to, to see the person, but then I also want it to feel like it's artsy. So many times I may have different tricks and things that I try to compliment the person and amplify them in the image like something else to bring to the image so it just really makes them pop more and are, um, and are there like shoots where you go into it with like an idea in mind and for whatever reason you try it and it just doesn't work and you kind of got to switch up on the fly or like how do you kind of deal with that creative process oh yeah I feel like that happens all the time uh, so for me, I spend a lot of time in pre-production or like the time before the shoot to prepare and think through what the plan is, what the setup is, how much time do we have, how many setups can I do within that time, um, what shots do I think the client would like, and then what shots like what I absolutely love to do, but I'm not really sure how it's going to work out. So I usually have at least like one setup that I do where 
we're, we'll figure it out on the day of. Um, yeah. One, I say, yeah, it's, it's like one mm-hmm. for them, one for you. <laughs> yeah, I say most recently I did a shoot um, for the Hollywood Reporter. It was with Viola Davis um, and Gina Prince uh, by the wood. Uh, Gina is the director of The Woman King. Uh, Viola was one of the stars of The Woman King. And so with that shoot, one of the ideas I had was the um, stained glass window. I wanted to photograph them as like figures of importance within this stained glass window, but I had no idea how it was going to turn out. (laughs) Um, So that was one of those ones where I was kind of winging it, but also testing it and doing my best to make sure it worked and that we pulled it off. Yeah. Um, and I think we did, but I think that's also like what pushes me and makes me excited and kind of helps me with growing because I always want to do something different and new. Like there's some things that I do that are very much common and the same as how I've done them before. But a lot of times I'm like, oh, I've done that before. Like, let me think of something else or like, how can I elevate this more? How can I take this to the next level? Or how can we have fun with it? Like, I think that's the joy that I get out of it because I am coming into this as like a second profession. I chose to do this. So I definitely don't want to fall into this feeling of like, this is a job and I don't enjoy it anymore. So the time that I get to take pictures, like I'm all in and I'm trying to make the best images and the most exciting images I can, Um, especially because honestly, the most of my time, like when I think of a full day or just like a hundred percent of my time, most of that time is not spent on actually taking pictures. No, like no. It's a very small percentage that's spent on actually taking photos. And so when that moment comes, it's like, I want it to be the best experience that I can think of, whether that's what I'm creating or how I'm interacting with the person or just overall, like making the most of it. Um, so I'm constantly like pushing the boundaries of what I think I can do. And sometimes like overselling some of my ideas. And then I get into the space and I'm like, how did I talk them into, <laughs> how did I talk them into doing this? I don't know, but we got to figure it out. <laughs> I, I love that. You know, that's how the fun of photography You just got to keep tinkering and trying new stuff and see what happens. Like sometimes, sometimes it'll work out. Sometimes it won't, but that's like, this part of the the process, I think. So that, that's, that's great to hear. And, uh, you know, once you I was, I was excited to talk to you, you had the opportunity to photograph Amanda Gorman for, I think it was mm-hmm. masterclass ad. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of curious how your experience was that, um, and, and with her. Yeah, no, that was a great experience. That setup was actually very tricky because, um, there ended up being some space issues at the studio that we were shooting at. So we needed to set up outside in the parking lot. Um, and for a masterclass, um, Many of the shoots are shot in tandem with the actual production of the the uh, the class itself. Mm-hmm. And so the, our setup needed to be outside for several days. <laughs> um, so I remember when it was when we were in talks with like production on how we were going to pull this off and just like making sure like we need to make sure there's security because the equipment's going to be outside. And then also like what's the weather going to be like? Because it's L.A. most of the time. We have nice weather, but in the event that it rains, that's not an ideal place to have the outdoor setup. Uh, So that was probably the trickiest part for that particular shoot was the setup itself being outdoors. Um, But once we figured that out, like working with Amanda and her team, like it was it was fine. I mean, I only had a few minutes, which I mentioned is common. So I probably had. uh, About 10 minutes. Wow, you got good day. stuff. You got good stuff yeah. with her for 10 minutes. That's, that's amazing. 
Yeah. So it's, um, it was very fast, but it's one of those things where I think I've kind of gotten used to it. And, and, and for anybody who's listening to this and that hires photographers or looking to hire me, I, I can shoot people in 10 minutes, but I would prefer to have more time. So I'm not at all saying this to <laughs> say, oh, I'm very skillful at shooting people in five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So hire me for that. Like, no, please give me more time. <laughs> give us the day. We want the whole day. Let's do it. Let's do it right. Um, and you know, the one thing, like when you go from like shooting editorial to making the jump to shooting, like advertising with masterclass, was that kind of mm-hmm. like, was it kind of like a, a tough thing? Cause obviously with advertising, there's a lot more moving parts. It's a bigger cruise. Mm-hmm. There's more involved. How's that kind of process once you kind of start doing bigger and bigger productions? I would say I approach it the same way in terms of preparation. Um, yeah, I don't think I approach them differently. Like there's. From the beginning, you reach out, somebody reaches out, I find out about the job, I find out like what the baseline information is, like what's the location, do I need to choose a location, how much time do I have, do you know what the person is wearing, I always ask like what the person is wearing, um, sometimes I can find out ahead of time, sometimes I can't, in particular for that people shoot that you brought up at the beginning um, with the Wakanda Forever mm-hmm. cast, I wanted to do a red backdrop. I had no clue what they were going to wear. And I knew I was like, this could be iffy because red is a very bright and bold color. And if they wear something that conflicts or is too busy or whatever, it may not work. But what they wore was fine. So it worked out. I did have a backup plan. So that goes into like that preparation. Um, And so I treat them both the same. I would just say with bigger commercial advertising jobs there's more time to prepare compared to editorial usually there isn't as much time for me to prepare and the turnaround time for the images is much quicker um but i don't i don't really see like how i and there and in terms of like the business side of it when you're working on commercial stuff have you been Mm -hmm. do you work with a rep are you still just negotiating everything yourself or like how do you how do you kind of handle that because that's like i know every photographer the hardest thing to do is like how do how much do I charge? Like, how do I do this? Like, how have you been just kind of navigating that? Yeah, so I am independent. I am not rep by anyone. So I am doing the negotiations myself. Um, and and that's still something I'm figuring out. I would say like I lean heavily into like community when it comes to that. Like people I know who have been in that position or have done similar shoots. If I ever come up to something that I'm not sure how to either price it or how to phrase particular like usage terms like there's someone who's done that before that I know and I can reach out and and ask like um like you mentioned I guess before we started this conversation um Joe Pug like he's been a very helpful resource um so photographers who have been in this position before like him um and others ask them like what would you price does this make sense no, okay, let me change it. Um, so that's that's the best way I can say that I've navigated it so far is leaning on people who have done this before and are willing to share information. Same, same thing. I just called Joe this week to get some <laughs> advice on the job I'm doing. I'm like, dude, what do I do, man? And he's yeah. because he's just been at it forever. And I think, yeah, that's the thing I realized. Like, it is hard approaching people, but it's like if you don't ask, you're you're not you won't figure out. And I, in my experience, a lot of people are willing to help you out. And it's like, and it goes both ways. Like I I would hope like everyone just kind of shares the knowledge you have to other people coming up because that's the way that's the way I view it. Like try to help out other people to help you out, and it's it's good for the whole community and 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 just the profession. I think. 
Yeah. And another thing I want to point out is when I started um, getting jobs and even now, but especially in the beginning when I would build teams, I always gravitated to people who were more experienced than me in terms of who would be on my crew. Um, And so that is one thing that I just hope like when people are thinking about how they're going to navigate their careers, don't overlook like the information that your crew can also provide and how they can help you have a successful shoot it's not always just like you or a photographer like sometimes it's lighting directors and photo assistants so um this person has probably like been on every shoot possible but like uh byron Nick- nickelberry yeah i was just gonna ask you about him he's yeah. like an la la legend i gotta get him on the podcast yeah I, I keep yeah you gotta get byron on here yeah yeah but like byron or there's brad nelson who was very helpful in the beginning and like other people who like i wanted them on my shoot because i was like if i have them then if there's something i don't know then i know they know it and then we can work together to make sure that the shoot goes as planned um yeah, it, tr- yeah. It, it truly is like a team. It, it's a collaboration. It's a team thing. And it, it, no one can be the best at everything. I don't I don't care what anybody says. You're not going to be the best at everything. So it's like realizing like what you're not good at and then like build, bring those people on your team. And that's how you get make the end result and the work be the best in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, one one assignment I had to ask you about, uh, I think at the beginning of the pandemic or something you did uh a series of virtual covers for the Hollywood reporter. Like how the hell they were. See, honestly, I looked at them. I was like, I couldn't really tell they were virtual. Like first, how did you approach that? And like, how was your experience trying to do virtual covers of like celebrities? (laughs) Like, yeah. So virtual shoots. Yeah, this is okay. Let me think about my answer to this because (laughs) it's not like a very um, straightforward answer. (laughs) When the pandemic hit, um, like many photographers, I was sitting at home or like not even not even photographers, anybody. We were all sitting at home because the world was shut down and I needed to find ways to use my time and be creative. So I started out shooting self-portraits of myself for a very long time and then I got tired of that. And I realized the world still was not opening up for a while. So I started shooting my family virtually. Wow. Um, And they were game? Like they were up for it? They were up for it. I didn't know at first um, because I was like, this, I don't really know what I'm doing, but you know, I miss my family. Um, I now want to document them and like their experience through this time. And so I started shooting my family virtually and I shot over 70 of my family members, like on my own. I never, that's the project that I was telling you that I exhibited and I'm trying to finish that and put that out in the world. But I was doing that on my own behind the scenes and not really showcasing it. And then um, the rap approached me about shooting a virtual portrait studio. Um, And they asked me if I'd ever shot anything virtually. And I was like, actually, I've shot my family, but I haven't showed anybody. So I showed them. They liked it. And so I ended up doing a virtual portrait studio for the rap and shot, I think it was like 67 people um, for that. And the Hollywood Reporter saw that series. And so when it came about that they needed to do this actress roundtable and they knew that four out of the six, well, four out of the six ended up being virtual. So I think they were looking for photographers who could actually pull off doing a virtual shoot. 
and I had a lot of experience <laughs> um, in a very short amount of time, but I had a lot of experience. And so uh, I think that's what attracted them to me in terms of like, we think you can do it. I've shot over a hundred people virtually at this point. Um, and so that's, that's how that came about. It still was a challenge because virtual shooting was, foreign territory for everyone like every photographer I knew that was doing virtual shoots was finding a way to do it better like oh somebody would say let's do it this way and then try it another way when I started out doing virtual shoots I was literally mounting my iPad on my wall in my apartment and I would set up my phone or my camera on a tripod and I would photograph the conversation with my actual camera so I was just photographing the screen and then I would crop it in post and edit it and you know try to make it look like a picture And then there were apps that came up that made it a little more convenient and easier to take virtual shooting. But the interaction and the dynamic of how I communicate with someone virtually, I kind of mastered that in all those trial and error experiences. So the technology that I was using may have changed, but I do think how I interacted with the people was important because mostly everybody that I photographed had never done a virtual shoot before. So there was this nervousness or uncertainty of how do they um, move? Like, how do they pose themselves? What do they do? How is the photo going to look? Like they on their end, they just have a cell phone. Like there, it was a lot of confusion. Um, So I do think like me having a level of comfort on how to just engage with people virtually made it so that I can capture good images yeah, that's got to be the challenge because, like, uh, except with like the the Hollywood Reporter stuff where celebrities, mm-hmm. like, like what was their vibe? Was it more like you kind of? Because what was like the flow of the shoot? Did you feel like the virtual shoots were like shorter than like a normal shoot or like longer? Or, like, how did that even play out? Yeah, so for the flow of the shoot, I don't remember the exact time, but I want to say maybe I had thirty for the virtual ones, like specifically Hollywood Reporter. I want to say I had maybe thirty minutes for each person. Um, somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. And so the way I would set it up is like some of that time in the beginning would be set up for scouting wherever they were, because many times I wouldn't know where they would be ahead of time. And so having someone, either the person I'm photographing or somebody they, they're with walk around, holding the phone, showing me the space so I can try to see like what the light looks like throughout the space and where's the best location to take the picture. And then there's the actual, you know, photo portion and then there's a, a some buffer time in case someone's running late or we have some technology issues um and one thing that was very important to me when doing virtual shoots because I didn't I didn't necessarily like doing virtual shoots because I think sometimes people thought they were just uh, either easier cheaper more convenient and the creative effort could be underestimated sometimes Mm -hmm. and so for me the creative vision was always like important anytime I did a virtual shoot I'm like what are we trying to achieve creatively because I never wanted them to look like a cell phone picture because it could be very easy there's so many things that we can't control as a photographer that we usually can control in person like I don't know where they're going to be so I can't control the location I don't know what they're going to wear I don't know the time of day so I don't know the lighting um I I won't even really be able to move around very much to like fix a situation like you can in person. Uh, So the creative vision was important. And for the Hollywood reporter, when I was talking to them and they asked me like, what do you think creatively like we should try to do? 
And I pretty much came to the conclusion. I'm like, well, we should do really tight beauty shots. I was like, that's how we can make them consistent. So similar to like the wrap virtual studio that I did, I ended up making them look like Polaroids um, because for each of these projects, they were series of multiple people that were part of the same thing and they needed to have some cohesiveness. But it's like, how do you do that when everybody's in different places at different times and doing different things? Um, so for the Hollywood Reporter, the vision was really tight beauty shots of their face because I'm like, they're all recognizable. We can control that they'll have a face. That's what we're going to do. Um, and then I realized technically that became challenging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> because once I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I started doing some tests on my own before the shoots with my phone to see how far you could stretch either zooming in on a phone or how close you can actually get. Like, is it best to shoot it further away and then zoom into the photo to make it close? Or should the phone itself be actually close to try to get the frame in the final uh, composition? And it turns out, which, you know, people can probably guess, you can't really zoom in on cell phone pictures without losing a lot of quality. Um, and so zooming in wasn't, the option. So I realized I needed whoever was holding the phone to actually be close to the person. So yeah. we wouldn't have to zoom in either at all or a lot. And then even in the back end, once we were done with the pictures, the size that we could actually scale the picture to on the cover was limited. Um, so I think the Hollywood Reporter did a great job in how they did the layout to account for how large we can actually make it without losing so much quality, but still making sure the covers itself look good. So if you were to see the covers, you'll see that the pictures themselves aren't the full cover. Like they're a portion and then they did yeah, some no. graphics around the rest of it. It yeah. looked great. Like I said, I couldn't really tell. I was like, maybe they're in person, maybe they're not. They're like, they look, they came out great. Like hopefully we never have to do virtual shoots yeah. again. Or unless that's your thing, you know. Follow yeah. your creative passion. Yeah, but. no, I don't. Mm -mm. At this point, to me, it's like a plan C, maybe yeah. a plan D yeah. if it came up to a shoot. Um, it's another think, skill. Yeah, it's another skill. And that's a skill that I I didn't have beforehand. That was a skill that I just came up with out of necessity yeah. um, because of the world we were in. So that's one thing I've learned is like I roll with the punches. I figure it out as I go. So anytime like somebody has a question or they're wondering how to do something or they think like they have to know everything at one time like my career really was built off me learning to do things that haven't been done before because a lot of my career grew in a pandemic it grew in a world where things were not operating like they normally do so any advice that I had received beforehand didn't necessarily apply anymore it's like okay yeah you know, usually people market themselves because they send mailers. Well, I can't send mailers anymore because nobody's at work. They're no. at home. Oh, okay. We have to do virtual shoots. I don't know how to do that. Let me figure that out. <laughs> so, yeah, it's wild. Yeah. But I guess to wrap up, like you, it's impressive, like what you've accomplished in such a short amount of time. Like your work's incredible, and like everything you've done. I guess Thank what's you. got what's got you excited, and like what, what what's next for you? Like kind of any goals for the future? I guess. Yeah, I always have goals. Some of them are like very specific. Some of them are loose. I would say uh, just an overall like general goal is for me to be intentional on like my voice in images and be consistent. So when people see an image, they know it's something that I photographed. And I guess when I see an image, I'm 
happy with how it's photographed because that can be hit or miss sometimes. Um, but just having like a consistent voice in my photos. Well, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate it. It was great talking to you and uh, really excited to see what what you create in the future. And uh, thanks so much for taking time to do this. Yes. Thank you, too. Thank you again for having me on here. Um, I hope I wasn't rambling too much and that the information that I said was helpful. Um, yeah. If anybody has more questions, like feel free to reach out to me like I'm I don't mind like talking with anyone outside of this podcast so perfect yeah I'll, I'll, when i post it i'll link your website and instagram and everything and everyone can go follow you but uh yeah thanks again perfect thank you so there you have it that was the felicia munn interview i uh, just want to thank felicia so much for taking the time to come on the podcast uh, it was a real pleasure talking to her about her journey with photography and how she made that transition from working in finance to doing something she loves um, i think that's something a lot of people can uh relate to kind of making that jump into a new career path and um, kind of following your passion it's not easy but um, really great to hear her story and everything she's accomplished thus far um, really great work she's making um, so i can't thank her enough uh, definitely go check out her website at feliciajphotography.com as well as her instagram at feliciajphotography um, i'll put her links in the description um, but definitely go give her a follow she's always posting up new work and different projects and whatnot um, so can't thank her enough. And as always, thanks so much for listening and take care.